All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hi-Fi Summit. Right now, we've got Cali Audio. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Charles Sprinkle, the one and only. He's going to be oh, talking yeah. about the moving mic method. Uh, let's get into it, shall we? What a cool name, first of all. Huh? Yeah. When he called me, I'm like, Charles Sprinkle. What is that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah uh, okay. Yeah, so I'm Charles Sprinkle. I'm uh, acoustics guy at Cali Audio. And... Uh, what I want to do is I want to share with your um, audience the a method that can be used to quickly and accurately um, measure a spatial average for use in uh, optimizing a room. So uh, if we'll go over to a PowerPoint presentation, which is my take, screen take share note over there. All right, fantastic. Let's do All right, it. so moving my. Mic measurements for determination of spatial average in small rooms, um, and basically this is kind of tuned. Uh, you know, this this presentation is uh, kind of oriented toward uh, a small recording space, a, a studio environment um, that you know is kind of common. Uh, it's also applicable to home theater and 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 whatnot with multiple channels. But we're just going to talk about the microphone measurement method here. Okay, so what is what are we going to talk about? We're talking about just the measurement method to use to determine a spatial average for the purpose of room correction EQ. Uh, what are we not talking about? Uh, it's not part of this conversation to talk about proper room design, room construction, or configuration, uh, where to place your speakers, to do you know system checks, all the things that you have to do, time alignment, all that stuff, checking for distortion, checking for right setups. Um, that's part of a proper setup. I would remind everybody that using uh, or applying EQ to a bad setup, well, it's kind of like putting lipstick on a pig. It's not a good idea. It's still a pig. So um, <laughs> with regards to this, we have plenty of videos that we have made available as far as setting up a room, getting things in the right place, how to place your loudspeakers, all those other things we, we've dealt with, um, and that is available, but we're just talking about spatial average measurement today. So um, a couple of foundational assertions. I'm gonna say this up front, and um, I'm going to uh, validate this as we go through the conversation. Uh, a spatial average is basically getting a measurement of what a room is doing across the space. And I, I would assert that it needs to include a volume of space, a three-dimensional volume. It's, it's where, you're, where your head is going to be um, when you're working or listening to your monitors, um, and it, it includes a volume of space. Now, the best spatial average you can get, obviously, would be an infinite number of microphones uh, averaged together. But that would also take an infinite amount of time. And I would say that an absurd number of microphone positions is a close approximation. And what's an absurd number? Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Ideally, equalizations based on true spatial average of the listening area, the infinite number of microphones. But since even an absurd number of microphone positions is not practical, we need a test method that's abbreviated but still valid. Okay. And what I'm going to be using today is I'm going to be using a PC with measurement software. Uh, today I'm going to be using RoomEQ Wizard, which is a freeware piece. I say freeware, it's donationware, and we, we highly recommend that people uh, support the development of this fantastic piece of measurement software. Um, 
anyway, it's uh, rew.com, I believe. You can pick this up at no cost. Uh, and then you're, you're, um, you're welcome to donate to the cause if you so choose. We're going to be using uh, a ASAO audio interface, which is a Scarlett uh, 2i2 in this case, uh, a calibrated microphone um, with a windscreen. And the windscreen is to keep it from making noise as we're waving the microphone around. So let me first talk about some of the ways that um, my, these measurements are made previously, you know, a, a spatial average. And this first one is something I used to do um, in a previous life, um, is a static microphone array, basically setting up, let's say, six or eight microphones uh, in a space, measuring them all at the same time, and coming up with a spatial average that way, okay? Uh, it takes longer to set it up, but the iteration is pretty quick because as long as you have the, as a large number of, of inputs and you have um, a bunch of microphones and microphone stands, you can iterate pretty quickly. Um, that having been said, I, I used to go into venues with so much gear. At, <laughs> you know, I'd have a, a microphone bag and uh, a, a, a backpack and a roll around case and a bag for microphones. It was a lot of gear to lug around. Um, another way to do it is to take a single microphone and microphone stand and just basically move the microphone around to a number of different positions to get a spatial average. And you can facilitate almost unlimited number of microphone positions uh, limited only by your time. But that having been said, it's kind of difficult to repeat the microphone positioning. Now, if you're using a lot of different positionings, that matters less. But if, you make, if you're only making a few measurements, well, you're going to notice some variation in your measurements. Okay. Um, common techniques include asymmetrical and irregular spacing to limit combing artifacts in microphone positions in the room. Um, and, you know, regular, it avoids the interface and interference with uh, regularly spaced anomalies such as if you know you have a big suck out or a, a big modal cancellation um, and you have one microphone sitting right in it, well, that's not the only place you wanna measure uh, and you wanna smooth that out so it, it avoids that. Uh, but this technique is not useful for level, level matching because the microphones are kinda not regularly spaced and so if you do it a couple different times, you might get different um, levels from different speakers that's not due to the actual level, it's due to the microphone position, okay? Um, some of the common challenges is, look, if you, if you, the, the two challenges we have is setup and measurement time. And if you have more microphones, it's gonna take you longer to set up. Um, if, and then also repeatability or accuracy res results. And, and that's problem with fewer microphone positions. So and let me say it a different way. So if you're gonna put up a bunch of microphones, it's gonna take you a while, but you're gonna get a good result. And if you're only gonna put up a few microphones, then it's gonna be faster, but you're not gonna get as good of a result, right? So what can we do to address uh, these challenges? Is there a way to get both accurate, consistent results with, um, you know, with, uh, uh, quick iteration. And Mr. Daltrey had an idea. Um, 
And he basically used to swing the microphone around. Little did he know, it's actually a pretty good way of getting a spatial average. Not necessarily doing the helicopter, but moving a microphone around uh, gives you a pretty good indication and it gives you a very good uh, averaging. So let's get into this. So what we're doing is we're using an RTA or a real-time analyzer with pink noise um, with an infinite average. And where you basically taking a microphone and we're slowly moving it around in the spatial average volume. Wherever you want to measure, uh, that's where we're moving it around. Let me show you what this looks like um, on your screen. And uh, let me show you here. Notice the measurements jumping around as he's moving the microphone around. And then that measurement, the longer he's moving it around, it settles down to a, to a measurement. Everybody can see that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we can see everything. Yeah, good. Yep. Um, so basically, it's, it's as simple as that. Just take a microphone, move it around. Um, and actually, before I get into this, I'm going to switch away from my PowerPoint for just a moment. And hopefully, I have REW here, and I do. And I'll, let's continue sharing that screen. Keep my face up if you want. Not that anybody wants to look at my face, but uh, I was once told I have a perfect face for radio. Uh, let's see. Got a generator, and I got levels, and I have. Nope, that's not the one I want. I have a SPL meter. There we go. All right. So this is a Room EQ Wizard. And currently, I have the microphone is live, and you can see the SPL reading in here. You can see the levels that I'm generating and the input levels here. And then this is my noise generator uh, here. And the first thing to do, I guess, is to set the noise levels to something that is reasonable. So what I'm going to do, I've got a microphone just standing next to me as a, as a static microphone. And I'm just going to play some pink noise. My levels look good, and I'm around 85 dB, which is about where I want to be. Um, you don't want your levels to be too low because you lose accuracy, and obviously you don't want to clip your measurements. Um, so you can set uh, those levels with, number one, your interface, but also the uh, level of output to your device. Okay, and that's right here. Um, so now I'm going to move this guy... How far can I move this? Oh, I can move it all the way over. That's nice. And I'm going to open an RTA window. This guy. We're going to first look at the setup. And all right. So what I want to do is I want to set this to RTA. 124th of an octave is usually reasonable here. Um, I'm hoping everybody can read that. Um, the FFT length for this is going to be 16K. Averages are going to be forever. And the windows can and overlap as 50%. Okay. So when you start this, and I'm going to click out of this, 
and I will start this. Okay, so a couple of things you're going to notice, and this is a single point measurement. This is not what we're going to use for, for EQ basis. Um, but the measurements are flat-ish. In other words, it doesn't have a 12 dB per octave slope downward. If you use, instead of uh, RTA, if you use spectrum, what will happen, let me show you, when you, if you set it incorrectly, you see how the measurement slopes down? That is not the correct measurement. You want to be using RTA 124th of an octave, and the measurements will be flat-ish. Um, all right, so close out of that. And then I'm going to show you hopefully here if I can move this around. I am going to start a measurement and uh, we can all follow along. Again, I've got uh, a measurement microphone, foam windscreen. The windscreen is important because it lowers the amount of noise from moving the microphone around. Uh, that you might encounter. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start and I'm going to make a measurement uh, here and Okay, so I, I made a measurement here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to save this measurement. Um, they have changed the interface, and how am I going to do that? <laughs> Current. All right. Charles, can you talk about how you're holding the mic? Yeah, yeah, I will do that. Um, all right, so we have our measurement here. And for reference, I'm going to make one more measurement in the same volume of space. Um, and by the way, what I'm doing, you'll notice is that I've got a loop of microphone cable that I'm holding with the microphone that will hopefully prevent the connection from jiggling uh, between the microphone um, and the cable and prevent noise artifacts there. So I'm going to make one more measurement. And what we're going to do is move the microphone in happy little circles and keep moving. Both of those, 
and I'll move that down. Because there's a substantial tilt, but basically, I have been able to take a couple of measurements in this volume of space, and those measurements agree with one another, right? And I can get any number of people, and as long as you're moving the microphone in the same volume of space, you're going to get the same results. And that's really kind of nice it's, it, that it's consistent in that way. Um, now, if I was looking at this particular measurement here, um, I would be, let's say I'd set up my studio and I was looking at the measurement. Uh, my, my initial reaction would be to find out why I have this climb here. Now, uh, this, this speaker, I didn't really pay attention to uh, the location of the speaker in the room. Um, and so it could be that the, that the bass is just rolling off in this particular location. Overall, the variation um, peak, to, peak to trough looks pretty good. And the extension of the loudspeaker is going fairly low. Do you want to um, ask Jerry any questions? Yeah, let's do that. It, yeah, this is probably a great time. Um, let's open up for any questions with regard to um, how I've made my measurements, how I've set up, and let's address any of those things. Uh, Joe, we can't Joe, hear you. you're Joe. muted. Yeah, so last time uh, when I got the settings from you, they were set to 32, and now it says, uh, now it's saying unlimited. Does that matter? Okay. You mean the number of averages? Yes. Yes. Mm, I will have to look at what I sent you because the kind of the key point on this is forever averaging. Forever. Okay. Because that it does make sense. I just thought that maybe like if you bumped it at the <laughs> beginning that you could it would start from a certain set point and then you can just just stop yeah. I guess it. you could you can make it really long um, and you could play around with that. But the point of the forever averaging is that the longer you're moving it around in the space, the more it's converging to a a single answer to a common answer. Right. I, well, in my case, luckily, it's enough sample or enough time where yeah. it does start to converge. But Chana, you have to change that on yours too. <laughs> Instead yeah, of thirty-two, um, it's actually, forever. if you set it to anything more than one hundred and twenty-eight. That's how many samples I'm averaging anyway, right? Uh -huh. Okay. So that's about what I do is about 128 samples. Mm. And that basically means that it's, you know, um, if you're doing three, if your sample rate is 48K and you're doing 16K um, sample uh, or 16K uh, sampling uh, on it means you're measuring three times a second. And for 120 uh, samples, it means that you've got about, uh, 40 seconds, 30 okay. to 40 seconds of measurement time. So uh, this is a great question from JDM World. What do you do with the 90 degree versus normal calibration file? Which one do you use in this scenario? Like, well, let's say in REW, you can use um, with a, you know, like a U-Mic 1. It says two calibration profiles. Which one do you use? Nice that you, nice that you said it. So basically, you use the calibration from the microphone to be 90 degrees from the sound. Or incident to the sound, right? Okay. And if you're using a half-inch microphone like this Behringer mic, um, 
it's only going to make a difference from about 5k up. Right, okay. that's where you're going to notice the difference in the polar pattern in the microphone, and it has to do with the polar pattern of the microphone, the response this way or this way. Now, when I'm measuring and I want full range, I'm using the free field calibration for the microphone, and then I'm moving the microphone this way and this way and this way and this way, to to randomize the orientation of the mic with uh, with respect to the sound source, right? Mm -hmm. But what we're doing here is we're doing a measurement to uh, EQ a room, which is about 700 hertz on down. And those calibrations don't have a difference from below about 4K down. Did you just say 700? Because that's, oh, that's yeah. what I found. In my, right. so I, I, tried, I tried it in my room and I was like, 700 and up, it was like all the same. Right? Yeah, that's like right. No matter where I went, like it was all the same, consistent. Um, but then 700 down, it was all crazy. <laughs> Well, that's kind of the point. From 700 hertz on up, and it varies from the room. You know, it depends on on the characteristics of the room. Mm -hmm. But from 700 hertz on up, it's going to be based on what the loudspeaker is doing. From 700 hertz on down, give or take, um, it's going to be based on where the room is doing. So if we're correcting for the room, you really only need to measure up to about a kilohertz, right? Right now. So if you're trying, if you're trying to, <laughs> there's uh -oh. going to be a little bit of variation, by the way, uh -huh. uh, on loudspeakers that don't have good directivity, right? Because there is spatial uh, dependency of timbre. But if the loudspeaker has good directivity response, like you said, when mm -hmm. you measure this in a room, it's going to be very, very consistent. Um, it's just something I noticed, like when I was like, I try to tell people when they're using like Odyssey on their AVR, like try to use that thing where you can limit it. So it's not doing it correct, correcting full range. Like let it so stop it. To answer five, your question, yeah. So to answer your question, the different type of uh, calibrations aren't going to have an effect on room response. I just saw a question pop up this and one. I didn't read it. So this one. Pistol oh, microphone. So uh, um, ah, okay. Frozen six and six asks across three different listening positions. Okay. Would you move the mic by walking across, or would you take three? Different oh, things? okay. Okay. This one? Uh, the answer is yes, you can do either. Um, so I see a blind hobbyist who's trying to describe, who asked a question on, on the, um, okay, so Justin Thornton asked, I'm totally blind, HT hobbyist. Could you explain the physical microphone movements while taking the measurement for the average, for the average visually? Because I can't see the video on screen. Okay. So what you're going to do, if you can imagine your volume of space where your head's going to be when you're listening, and I would say maybe it's 18 inches, maybe it's 24 by 24 by 24, in, in an area where you're going to be working, uh, this is for a single seat, you're just simply going to, to move the microphone as a spiral in that area slowly, uh, about one to three, one revolution every one to three seconds. Okay, so you can go slow, you can go a little bit faster. The faster you go, you might pick up some variations, so you're going to have to play with it. I, For me, it's about one rotation per second in that 24 by 24 by 24 area. Somebody asked, um, happened a little certain space from your listening position, almost like you're stirring a pot. Yes, exactly like you're stirring a pot, right? 
Uh, Nate uh, gave me a question as far as measuring a so for a large listening area. Well, we're also or I've also used this technique in cinema. Uh, in fact, I was taught this technique in a cinema environment. And for a cinema, you've got an entire row. You'll walk the entire row while, you know, sweeping the microphone around kind of like a helix in that row for a row walk. That's what we called it. Okay. And you're going to get a really good spatial average of that entire row. Next question. Um, you know, I have a, a question. So you're, this is for uh, kind of getting an idea how what's happening in your listening area. Yep. Can you use this method at all to kind of do a near field measurement to kind of get an idea of what the speaker is doing? Would it work in that scenario? Okay. Um, I wouldn't use it as a near field. If I was going to do a near field on a loudspeaker, I'd put the microphone on a uh, on a microphone stand, okay. and I'd set it at a repeatable distance from each transducer and get a near field on each transducer. Okay. I'd do that separately. If I was trying to get an, an anechoic response on a loudspeaker and I didn't have access to an anechoic chamber, I'd be making a ground plane measurement, setting up a microphone on the on the ground and the loudspeaker two meters away at an angle pointed down at the microphone. Okay. Thank you, my theater. I, I have another question up. Uh, going to JDM World, I am going to use this method to EQ my theater room manually and see how it goes. Do you recommend to simply do one channel at a time? Okay, thank you. Thank you for bringing up this question. Um, yes and no. I would do one, uh, one channel at a time to look at what the channels are doing and make uh, adjustments. However, comma, I would also measure both left and right as a stereo pair. This method will uniquely give you a result that doesn't have combing artifacts. So you can see interactions between loudspeakers that you wouldn't be able to pick up with a limited number of microphones in a spatial array, right? It, it will work on that. And I would recommend that you do that. Uh, another example is your side channel. Often in uh, surround, you'll have arrayed side channel speakers. This method is useful in uh, EQing those arrays of side channel loudspeakers. This is, a, again, a, you know, we're using it in cinema for multiple channels at the same time. Okay. Nate, you had a question come up? No, you just answered it. Okay. All right, so if it's okay, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, mic somewhere to get them. Uh, you know, strangely I'll enough, uh, I'm sorry? Okay, um, yeah, I, that or REW also, when you open REW, uh, REW has some links on uh, measurement microphones and other, other gear uh, as well. So um, we are on a 45 yeah. minute schedule, correct? Yeah. Joe? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to transition back into my slideshow. Okay. And I have a quick question, though. Uh, is there any way to to use that method that you're showing there to kind of get an idea, like what happens when you move a speaker around? Yes. Um, actually, I was going to use that as a closer, so I'll I'll do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm just nerding out. This is, I'm the most excited about this this talk just because uh you know I want everybody to know about this. It's so awesome. All right. So I've shown you how to get a measurement, and you can see those measurements are pretty quick, right? Um, they're 40 seconds-ish, 
to get that measurement. So that's great if the measurement is good, right? It, but is the measurement good? How do you know if a measurement is accurate? Um, and I would tell you that it would be repeatable. If you can take three different measurements and get three different results, stop. The measurement's not good, right? Which one are you going to use? Okay. Um, so it's got to be repeatable. It's got to be consistent. Uh, is it accurate? And then, you know, how do you how do you compare it? How do you determine the accuracy of that measurement? And then how does it compare to the other method? So we're going to talk about that, and uh, I will be have a, just about enough time. Okay, so for consistency, what we did in three different, um, I'm sorry, what we did in one of the spaces, and I believe this was done in Echo Bar, we had three separate experimenters take moving microphone averages with a, you know, just a limited amount of discussion. You hold a microphone like this, you move in happy little circles, go, right? Uh, experimenter A, B, and C, and then we're going to compare the measurements. There you have it. Uh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me go back. Um, so can we go to my PowerPoint presentation? I need to get that up. You can you can show my face, but I need to have the PowerPoint up. Yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing your uh, PowerPoint on the oh. screen, though. Yeah, you got to reshare that. Yep, got it. I'll let you know when I see it on the screen here. There it is. Okay, okay. good, good, good. Is that, is that a good screen? I'm going to pop, pop it in one second. Yeah, that's great. So again, that's perfect. Um, so three experimenters. Uh, how do they compare? Wow. What happened? Uh, yeah, they unshared it. Uh -oh. All right, let's let's reshare it. Uh, Do it again. Da -da 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 -da. There we go. Okay. Share it again. Share it. <laughs> All right. So I got to. I guess I got to go here, and now that window has focused. Now, there it is. <laughs> okay, uh, that's three different experimenters. That looks like the same measurement to me. All right, um, and. There's a little bit of uh, a little bit of inconsistency, but look at the scale. Those inconsistencies between those measurements are less than a dB, and compared to the magnitude of what the room is doing, they're much less. So, of course, consistency is only a virtue if you're not a screw up. So, <laughs> is it accurate? Um, Okay, so remember I said talked about uh, an absurd number of microphones. I, I'm going to submit that 216 microphone positions in it is an absurd amount of microphones because it, it took over an hour to measure this. That, that and is I'm thinking to take a single measurement over over an hour, it's absurd. All right, um, and so we're going to use the absurd number of microphones as a close approximation to an infinite number of microphones. And I think that's logical. So that took a while. 
And I measured it in a couple different locations. And as an, again, here's what you see. The gray curve is the volume average of 216 microphones. And the black curve is the moving mic average. Okay. And it's giving you the same answer. Which I got to tell you, <laughs> to be able to do that in 40 seconds, really good. All right. So this is a normalized curve and it's normalizing the uh, moving mic average to the 216 microphones. Um, the one on the left has a little bit more variation. It had a desk involved and so there is some um, reflections from the desk that I would, uh, I, I believe caused a little bit of the variation. But again, look, it's less than a dB and it's much less than the variation in the room. Just, you know, it just, you know, the, the room response is going to be much more than that. The one on the right is very, very consistent. So um, I think it compares well as far as accuracy. Now, how does that compare with other, other methods? Uh, so we're going to compare it to a planar static microphone average and a spatial static microphone average with different numbers of microphones. So on the first one, um, there are measurement techniques that will take a measurement of you know, some number of microphone positions all in the same plane with the idea that your ears are in the same plane uh, when you're listening to a loudspeaker. And of course, not that you move up or down, but they're, they're, um, that's the assumption. Um, so what we did is those 216 measurements were split up into six planes of 36 measurements per plane. And then each one of those planar averages were compared to this 216 position average. Uh, planar averages were normalized to the 216 position average. So basically we're going to, we want to get a look at how accurate or how consistent are those planar measurements and how do they compare against the volume average. So we took our uh, six planar averages and we compare them against each other. Which one would you like to EQ to? Because they're all different. Pretty much they're all different. Um, if you take the average of them, you get that. So you can see there's a bit of vari variability between them. And when you normalize them to the average, uh, you can see that that variability is up to 10 dB. That's pretty significant. Uh, again, getting back to my foundational assertion that a, a spatial average should include a volume of space uh, because it, it evens this out. Uh, and then the planar average is normalized to a volume average. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me move back. This is normalized to the 216 microphone positions. And this is normalized to the same 216 microphone positions with the black curve now being the moving mic. And you can see that the, the moving mic average is much more consistent than any of the planar averages, okay? So the next thing I wanna do, let's compare it to a spatial average of a different number of microphones. Obviously, nobody's gonna sit there and, and measure 216 microphone positions because that's absurd. But they might consider using 4, 8, 16, 32 microphone positions. Um, so what we did is we took that data of 216 microphones, and from that, we randomly selected a number of positions. And we did six trials for each number of microphones, and then compared them to the 216 microphone position, and then normalized them and to, to compare them. 
So uh, here's all that data. <laughs> it took a while. Um, and going from left to the right is four microphones, then eight microphones, then 16 microphones, then 32 microphones. And here are the curves of each of those. We're putting up all six of those trials uh, superimposed on one another with the black curve being the average of those, those different trials. Uh, you see there's a lot of variation on the four microphone and much less variation on the 32 microphone. And here is when we normalize them to the 216 microphone average. Again, more variation on, on four, less on eight, less on 16, and the least variation on 32. I would submit that on four or eight microphones, there's enough variation that you would not want to do uh, room EQ using that. Uh, 16 is borderline, and you really want to use uh, 32 microphones uh, based on the variation, unless you're willing to accept the variation from the true spatial average. Okay. Um, Charles? Yeah. Uh, before you start wrapping up, can you, um, somebody asked about uh, how to apply these. Um, so I want to make sure we address that. Sure. Uh, I'm going to wrap up yep. the comparison, yep. and then I'll jump back to that. Cool. Okay. So um, here is those curves with the uh, moving mic average superimposed. And you can see that the variability of the moving mic average is comparable to 32 microphone positions. Okay. Everybody can see that. Um, and then uh, conclusions are the moving microphone method produces consistent and repeatable results. I think we've demonstrated that. Uh, moving microphone method accuracy is comparable to 32 microphone positions in the same volume. I think we've demonstrated that. And of course, uh, it kind of goes without saying the moving microphone method is substantially faster than static microphone spatial average. Uh, and, and the point I want to drive, drive home, and we can uh, unshare my uh, PowerPoint presentation because that's it for the PowerPoint. Uh, the point I really want to um, drive home is, look, you can make good measurements, and it only takes a few seconds to make those measurements. And now you can use a measurement, rather than just using it for EQ, well, you can use those measurements to determine where you're going to put your loudspeaker in your room, right? Because you can check each one of those positions and say, oh, I don't, want, I don't like this one. Or, you know, put them here, measure them, put them in a different place, measure them, put them in a different place and measure them and see which one of those places gives you the least variation. And it's a powerful tool that can be quickly used uh, to get that data. All right. Uh, I'm going to answer, an, answer whatever questions, then I'm going to go back to the question Nate had. Um, but any questions anybody had? on comparison with other uh, measurement techniques or accuracy or whatnot. Uh, Mike, NK, Marantz, 7702, Mark. Oh, well, um, Mike and REW, you got to have an audio interface. Um, and I would think that it needs to be ASIO compliant. I'm not sure if the Marantz would be able to do that. You got to be able to get the audio out uh, from REW. And, and by the way, you can use that output from REW to go into a, um, a receiver with passive loudspeaker. Sure, no problem with that. 
Maybe that's what you're asking. Uh, the U mic one USB mic is that okay? Uh, sure, as long as you can get a calibration curve. Yeah, it does come with. Yep. I think that's that's pretty awesome that we can uh, just using that method mimic what's happening with you know instead of using thirty two microphones. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I was expecting it. I I I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it. Um, as good as it turned out. Um, but the data speaks for itself. You know, I, I thought it was going to be somewhere between 16 and 32, but it's it's really, 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 really consistent. And it's really, really um, um, accurate when compared to a, a large number of microphones in the same position. It's certainly, it's certainly usable to optimize uh, a room. Okay, so now we had a question as far as how to use uh, how to apply this EQ. So I'm going to close our RTA window out, and I am going to select one of these curves. Um, so uh, REW has um, EQ functionality, and I'll take a, a brief uh, tour through the EQ functionality. I hope everybody can see that. But what you're able to do, um, this is your curve, you're able to choose, as an example, if you have a mini DSP, you can choose a mini DSP as your output format. You can set your uh, target settings to whatever you want, full range loudspeaker. Um, and as an example, if I was going to set this, I'd probably set it to 56 and set a target EQ curve here. Uh, let's say I just want to... I, let's say I want to EQ down here. Um, you are then able to, because uh, this setting here will set, select the number and type of bands that are a particular equalizer have. Um, this sets your uh, target function, and and this sets your match range. Let's say I want to go from forty-five to. Uh, let's say one kilohertz, or let's say, yeah, let's say 700 hertz, right? Um, max boost is about nine. You want to you want to limit that. Um, flatness target three, that's good. Um, what I would tell you though, however, a trick on REW is that it won't eat, it won't uh, optimize correctly if the entire curve is below the target line. So what I'll do is on this, I'll go in here, and this is the target bands that are available. I will set one of those to manual, and I'll set it to a peaking function. I'll put it down in let's say 70 hertz, and I'll put a gain of like four. Um, in of four and a Q of let's say two, and I'm going to boost the gain up to five. Get rid of filters plus target. Yeah. Target predicted. Eliminate the curve. Well, you can see the before curve and the predicted curve here. I'm right here where I can start to measure it. And what I can do now um, to use this is I can simply go, once I have this set to manual, I get four automatic filters. And I can say, 
keys and keys and frequencies. There we go. A random match response to target. That's where it is. Yeah. And so Okay, hold on. By the way, I did make a video yeah. uh, using that method, and I was moving the speaker around just to see where it was best. You know, I was lifting it up, down, and figuring stuff out, and so it was really helpful in that case. So yeah. Well, I have um, I have upgraded REW and they've changed the interface a little bit, and I'm uh, I guess I should have uh, practiced this a little bit more. Uh, what you're going to be able to do when these are set to automatic, you should be able to say match response to target, and it should uh, um, manual optimization control. Why is it doing twenty five? Hi. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, technical difficulties. I'll have to get my head wrapped around the new version of REW. <laughs> yeah, it's always <laughs> being updated. Every time I open it up, it's a new uh, beta update. Yeah, yeah we're going to have to put up a separate video because it's changed a little bit since the last time we did this uh, pro process. Uh, basically, the way it, uh, it has worked previously, if you want to take manual control of a curve, you take it here, and then you leave your curve that are going to be optimized as automatic, you press match response to target and it does an auto EQ and then you'll get all your, your, uh, your, uh, your um, coefficients here. And then you, in REW, it's cool because you can export this directly to a file that can be directly imported as an example into mini DSP and, you know, pull your coefficients in. It's really, really easy. So I'm just going to take a little bit more time than I have to get my head wrapped yeah. around. Well, very, very cool. Um, you do also have that video where you uh, describe the method that you're using here. Yep. So, so we have a video that shows how to tune the room and how to get the coefficients into REW, I mean, yeah, into yeah. DSP. All of those things are covered um, in the videos that we currently have online. Very cool. Well, thanks for sharing that method. I've I've been telling so many people about it in many videos, so it's better that you Always can explain it because I'm just repeating what you're saying, so I might oh, be saying something way, wrong. So, Yeah, uh, by the way, another thing that the method is good for, because, because your microphone movement is consistent from one measurement to another, mm -hmm. you can use it to level match, right? Mm. And you'll get a better result level matching than you would otherwise. Nice. There you go, Michael. We're gonna have to try that out. I'm telling you. Oh, I've been yeah. telling you on those subs. Joe Selling I've been telling you. If you're doing a if you're doing a home theater setup, right. right? You want to make sure your setup is right. You want to make sure your loudspeakers are in polarity. You want to make sure that time alignment is done. You're gonna do all these measurements with a single point microphone on a stand in your listening position, right? Get them all lined up. Get make sure the polarity is right. Take your impulse responses. Do all that. EQ is the last thing you do yeah. in, in your setup. Hey, hey, Chana, I'll let you take this away. I have to pop out of this chat and hop into the uh, other thing. Okay, but I'll let all you right. take it away. Thank you, Charles, once again. Joe, That's thank great. you. It's been um, great, man. Good talking to you. It was awesome.
That was an amazing talk. Um, Charles, thank you so much for your time. I know Nate is still in here hiding in the background. Thank you so much, Nate. Um, And for all you attending, you know, and you guys wanting to fine tune and dial in your system, definitely check out the moving mic method. Before Uh, we go, I want to make a couple of special thank yous. And make sure to buy some Cali audio speakers because obviously they know what they're doing, right? That's right. There you go. I'm out of here. See you guys. And then a couple of quick thank yous. I want to thank uh, a couple of people specifically. I want to thank uh, Echo Bar Studios and Eric Rikers and CD as well uh, at Echo Bar. I want to thank um, uh, Colin Wolf and his studio. Um, actually, the uh, Shenzhen Philharmonic because I did a measurement there. I also want to specifically thank a friend and mentor, Paul Peace who showed me this method uh, at a previous uh, job we were uh, we worked together at. And, uh, you know, we worked together on uh, doing some of the validation, and it's been a fantastic method. Nice. All right. That's awesome. That's awesome. And we thank you so much for um, sharing with our, our audience, and I'm sure uh, they're pretty um, excited to hear about this. So um, all you attending, uh, we will be back uh, 2 o'clock with Yamaha. Uh, we're going to be going over some integrated amplifiers. And uh, again, Charles and Nate, thank you guys so much. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Appreciate it. Thank you.